Welcome to a football show, Thursday edition, of course, here on the 440 Sports Network, brought to you by Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group. Mike Vrabel, of course, not getting a job, although he technically might have a job. What does that mean? I'm, I'm getting a lot of commentary from. He's taking the he's taking the Butch Jones route. He's got to go through the uh, rehabilitation clinic that is college football. My my father, uh, uh, for those that don't know, I was born in Madison, Wisconsin. My father was born in Madison, Wisconsin. My grandfather was born in Madison, Wisconsin, and my father is a diehard Wisconsin Badger fan. I told him this is one of the best thing that's ever happened to the program <laughs> from because Wisconsin doesn't get this kind of stuff. They don't get former NFL head coaches hanging out and you know, on state street, drinking, eating brats and drinking, drinking beer. So, uh, it's a great, it's a great opportunity. We'll get to what that means. Of course, the Super Bowl is here. We'll discuss the Super Bowl in general, cause it's going to be fun. Uh, of course, a rematch of the 2020, um, Super Bowl. But I think ultimately I'm more interested in what the Titans fans can learn from both franchises, what they've done. Well, what does it mean for this team going forward? But also I think it's a large conversation about the 49ers way, which of course has yet to get over the hump. Kyle Shanahan as the Atlanta Falcons offensive coordinator couldn't get over the hump as the head coaches had multiple chances, couldn't get over the hump. Uh, so we'll have a conversation about all of that. And of course, a new quarterbacks coach for your Tennessee Titans as well. So lots of stuff to get to today on the show. Sinkers Beverages, the Kingston Group. Make sure you support good local businesses. Uh, Sinkers Beverages right here in East Nashville. Their sister store, Bluegrass, up in Hendersonville. They've been serving the market for 50 years in Bluegrass. I think 45 years, I think, for Sinkers Beverages. So make sure you support them, of course. And if you're going to Buy booze for a Super Bowl, which I can't imagine anyone is still doing dry whatever for the Super Bowl. Like no one, no one is doing dry whatever for the Super Bowl. So you need booze. Well, yeah, the, because it's not dry January anymore. Yeah, but everybody just nobody only different book. People under the age of 40 aren't drinking at all. It's just ridiculous. You need a drink for the Super Bowl. Is that a bad it might be a bad influence? No, but also, I mean, yeah, the Super Bowl. Do you really want to get a major hangover because of this Super Bowl? Ah, we'll see. I am finding it, and we'll get to this. I am finding it difficult to pick a side because <laughs> I, I hate one, and I've seen the other one too many times. <laughs> so, there's, so, only, there's only one side to choose for Titans okay. fans, but okay. You know. All right, we'll we'll get to that. Uh, and so I think a lot of fun stuff to do today. Uh, BillKG.com, of course, the Kingston Group. Uh, if you want to get involved that way, if you have anything, any questions about your house, uh, anything about uh, remodeling, custom builds, buying, selling, doesn't matter. Make sure you talk to the Kingston Group. Nose to tail operation, in-house design team. They do everything in the building, everything on their team. They don't. They're not outsourcing bits and parts of the project to, so that you know halfway through one bathroom remodel, there's like a fucking shower head hanging and it doesn't get finished and there's no tile. Like no, they do everything from start to finish and they let you know what's going on. So buildkg.com. A lot of you guys in the comments. So good to see you. Thanks for being here. If you want to click subscribe on 440 Sports YouTube page, that'd be great. If you want to share it on Twitter, that'd be great as well. If you want to get some more folks involved, we wouldn't hate that. We wouldn't hate that. So we do appreciate it. Um, okay. Uh, the most important update, Team Ramrod. Have the dogs kissed again, Zach? Where are we at? Oh, we're waiting. They have not. We're, baited, they have not. <laughs> baited breath. Um, okay. So let's, let's Several start. Several people with are finding out via my my tweet of this uh show today that jason isbell's getting a divorce and i've rocked some worlds on twitter <laughs> is that so you posted it in your tweet i'm, I'm yeah, devastated I said, uh, jason isbell's getting a divorce but Braden and i are still together come talk titans with us <laughs> that's excellent because i told you that this was happening like five minutes ago <laughs> yeah i'm devastated uh, yeah. i'm i'm yeah. devastated that country music's uh, nashville's outlaw independent country music's first couple is now separated what is their little daughter Mercy gonna do? I, I my daughters know her name. You know way too much about this family. <laughs> my daughters know their name. knows knows the little girl's name. I've I've sang that song, something to love, to my daughters every when I sing to go to sleep. So it's it's a big deal in our household. And my, my Listen, wife and I, I, I Jason Isbell plays like a whole like four day at the Ryman, right? Eight. And yeah. uh, and my friend Chris, uh, who's a big fan of the show, he goes to him and his wife go to everyone. I. Wow. I don't. I haven't checked our Slack for our fantasy football league to see how he's handling this because his <laughs> dog's also having ACL surgery on top of this. So it's a real emotional roller coaster, probably for Chris right now. I, I imagine uh, PBK is right. We're going to start with Bo Hardigree and Peyton Manning, super coaching staff that Bill Brian Callahan is assembling. But if you look behind me, of course, you see Jason Isbell uh, hat show prints, which I'm not allowed to have a lot of hat show prints in the house. But we're very much a huge Isbell family, so we're we're a little shook up about this. Uh, that that is for sure. So um, we'll we'll see, we'll see. It's uh, we'll see if we can get through it. We'll see if we can make it through the weekend. But going to f like so he did eight nights the last like three years I think at the Ryman. 
I did three nights one time where I went to three concerts. Like I went on a weekend and then like a Wednesday and then a weekend. So I tried to space them out. And I was like, I'm a huge super fan. And I was like, that's too many. That's too many nights. Three is too many nights. I go to two. Now I go, I go to two. One in the first weekend, one in the second weekend. My daughter wants to go and my wife wants to go. So that's what we do. So um, anyway, RIP, the Isabel family. I mean, they're still alive, but you know, well, they're the family, alive. The family's <laughs> not. <laughs> My God, <laughs> sorry. Um, so, what are we, we going to learn from the Super Bowl? Is gonna, we're going to get to that. What are we going to learn about the 49er way? Talk a little Super Bowl as well, because I don't know who to root for, although I kind of do. Uh, and then some top 25 stuff in college football, and we'll get to your questions. Forrest already saying, should I get my Bowers jersey? In navy or white ordering right now we'll get to that in a second as well i, I know i love how you guys started f-words this week by the way um talking about that uh stacking the inbox.com also uh make sure you check that out um bo hard agree what do we know about him what do fans need to know about him how do we feel about the titans as the titans coaching staff continues to to be assembled sort of like a la the marvel universe <laughs> it, it was pretty obvious that this was going to happen uh I, I thought Hardegree could be an offensive coordinator candidate, but most likely the quarterback coach. David Shaw kind of, I kind of floated his name, kept it kind of healthy out there too. Listen, David Shaw could still find a way on the staff as an assistant head coach or something. Because it's obvious that he wants to get back into the NFL. He's not coaching anywhere else. Uh, I, I like Bo Hardegree. He did a really good job with the fourth round pick who is infinitely less talented uh, than Will Levis. And, I, I would say that even though he had Devontae Adams, um, they did a really good job protecting the football with Aiden O'Connell. Um, Aiden O'Connell had a way better completion percentage from weeks nine through week 18 when Bo Hodegree and Aiden O'Connell kind of became tied at the hip definitively. And 66.1% uh, completion percentage versus 58.8. So that is a... Pretty big jump, uh, eight points in completion percentage. Uh, he also had the better expected points ever added during that time, so a better EPA per play. It, it, they put Aiden O'Connell in. He was clearly ready. Obviously, he's not like I wouldn't. I would say he's very Tyrod Taylor esque in the sense that maybe Jacoby Brissett. That I don't think he's going to be a high end starter. I don't think he'll be Kirk Cousins even, but. He's like at the bottom of that 60% that we talked about. 20% elite, yep. 60% good enough, and then 20% garbage. I think that he's like at the bottom of that 60% hovering somewhere long-term. Maybe he does turn into some weird Tom Brady success story, uh, but I, I don't, I'm not going to put my money on it. And he may not even be the starter next year, so who knows. Um, but for what he was, a fourth-round pick, uh, weird offense and transition, you know, switching away from Josh McDaniels a little bit, trying to install your own little offense, even though there's they're, they're similar. The offense that hard agree really kind of knows is very similar to the McDaniels offense anyway. But having going from quarterback coach to offensive coordinator and still being able to maintain a certain level of progression and to get better than what the um than what you were because they were averaging 15.9 points per uh per game leading into week nine and then from week nine on they bumped it up to I think it was 22.9 maybe it's 23.9 I can't really remember which but it was at the top end of the spectrum on there so to me I'm looking at I'm like this is an upgrade over Charles London on paper we don't I, but I and I also assume because of how will competitive Will Levis is, especially even in ping pong or table tennis versus Trevor Lawrence, that he will mesh well with Bo Hardegree. Uh, I wouldn't see why he wouldn't, and I think that this is a upgrade, and that's I think it's an upgrade across the board from Charles London to Bo Hardegree. Even though I really like Charles London, but I said you can always upgrade. I, I don't honestly know if it's a huge upgrade, but I don't think it's a downgrade. And I think that's the, maybe the most important thing that, that Titans fans should take away. Uh, O'Connell was a fourth round pick. D good. Um, he was the 135th. I Googled pick, I it before. I, I Googled yeah, I'm, before I'm on your I back. stuff out there. Yeah. I'm defending, I'm defending your honor uh, on, in the comment section here as, as one want to do on a Thursday afternoon. Um, I look, I, this is similar to me to the conversation we had on Monday about the offensive coordinator in, and that is, I, I, it, all of this still depends on 
Brian Callahan being a really great play caller and, and offense design leader like that. that it's it, yeah, yeah, it, it still it all depends on him, right? So like it, it doesn't, it doesn't for this particular position, because I mean, there's only so much time Brian Callahan's going to be able to spend with Will Levis. He is the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. There's much more to it. So Will Levis's development isn't as tied to Brian Callahan, but Will Will Levis' success is, if that makes sense. Because like the way I look at it is that his development, what it, the the little things, the mechanics, the little t- upticks in accuracy, uh, reading defenses, plays at the column, plays at the line, recognize that falls under the quarterback coach. Like that kind of stuff. Your your time is spent with the quarterback coach. Unless Brian Callahan's going to ignore seventy five percent of his duties and only focus on Will Levison, maybe he does. I don't know. Well, it's it's more, but I guess. I, I, but everybody everybody in the National Football League that has that has talked about the importance of your quarterback coach says that your young quarterback spends the most time in the offseason, at practices, in the film yeah. room with the quarterback coach. So to me, the development of Will Levis is different than the success of Will Levis, right? You can still win games with Will Levis, maybe if he's like 58.6% completion percentage. I mean, the Titans still did. But if he's 66.1%, some of that may be scheme, but a lot of that's going to be his mechanics, his progression yeah. from one year to. Ultimately, I guess maybe when I, and I need to, maybe I need to rephrase it. Ultimately, I don't think if I'm Brian Callahan, I, like again, there's a, there's a balance here, and I'm, I'm learning this about Kalen DeBoer, for example, at Alabama, that he's very good about picking out the things he doesn't know, asking questions of people who do know about those things, and then gaining that wisdom in that in that exchange. That, that's some anecdotes that I've heard about Kalen DeBoer behind the scenes at Alabama. So I, I don't want to say that like you that Brian I don't want Brian Callahan to be so rigid and so structured in what he believes and he never learns anything from anybody else that's he's you know that's not that's not what you want but I what I guess I mean is that I hope that because this is his area of expertise that I hope that he wouldn't be hiring anybody that doesn't already believe in how the thing should be done according to Brian Callahan if that makes sense so like yeah. if he believes in a three step drop and this and this this technique here or this you know, like I think fundamentally there has to be alignment with the quarterbacks coach, the offensive coordinator and the play caller and the head right. coach. In this I'm just case, saying that the, like, the quarterback coach is going to still be the one to carry that message out. It's not going to be Brian Callahan carrying that message out. Bo Hardegree is going to have to design the plan, you know, design the regimen, design w- how practices are going to structure, what they're going to focus on under Brian Callahan's parameters. But Bo Hardegree is ultimately the guy responsible for, besides Will Levis himself, the sure. development of Will Levis. Sure, agreed. As long as it's following Brian Callahan's vision, that's right. that's that's all. Well, I don't I think, think I don't think any quarterback coach has ever gone rogue, and maybe <laughs> I'm missing one. But right, like, but but again, I mean, that's why Charles London did, did still did his tenants. Okay, so if we go back to Charles London, I think this is a good example. Charles London spoke at the. Uh, an NFL convention over the summer, and he had all these large uh, tenets of how he thinks a successful offense or successful passing game goes, right? The Tennessee Titans used none of that. So obviously he was teaching and training Will Levis under the parameters of Mike Vrabel, even though he should have probably been teaching Will Levis and gone rogue because his tenets of the passing game were 10 times better than what Mike Vrabel, uh, future concession stand worker for the Wisconsin Badgers, what he knows about football. Well, I think ultimately, again, I I think if they had hired Aaron Glenn, I would be so much more concerned, worried, focused on Bo Hardigree. I I would, but to me, and and I mean, and and just to your point about how I, like, I don't think Aiden O'Connell was a late fourth round pick again. I think 135, 135, I think was the pick. So he's very, I mean, this is not a guy with elite talent. He threw the ball around a ton at Purdue and, and I thought was played above way above his expectation and talent level. And that is in part due to what hard degree accomplished. I think you can put a check Mark in his box as to like recency. What did he accomplish? Good check Mark. And, and, and I think Brian has earned sort of the one thing I do sort of not question about Brian Callahan is sort of institutional knowledge of the NFL and people's backgrounds and their abilities, because he's just, when you're a lifer, like he is, that's the one thing you should be able to bring to the equation is sort of a deep understanding 
of how everything works and who all these people are. So again, because he has a, a background with a father on the coaching staff, I, I just am not, it's hard to get, like, I think Charles London was so much more important for the Titans because it was Mike Vrabel's head coaching job than Hardegree is to this team. And so as long as they're all aligned with how they develop Will Levis, that's all I care about. And and ultimately, I put the onus on Brian Callahan if if, if all fails. <laughs> like, I'm not, right, you know right. I mean? If it all fails, I mean, it's like, I, I just think that if you can't put him in the same bucket as Nick Holtz, right? Because we are, us on the outside, and that includes the local media, are not going to know if Nick Holtz is successful or unsuccessful unless he ha- is you know, gets me tooed or vandalizes the property or Jesus. something like that. Like we're not going to know if he's a trouble, trouble part, but Bo Hardegree, you have a definitive way to look at how, because it right. Cause I mean like offensive coordinator, he's not calling the plays. He's just, he's just pup being the puppet. He's like an of, assistant. Yeah. 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 He's being the puppet of Brian Callen. But if Will Levis is struggling to grasp the intricacies of the offense it fix what he needed to fix from last year to this year that falls a little bit on the quarterback coach and that falls a little bit on Will Levis I'm just I'm just saying like yes the onus is on Brian Callahan but you can sure. actually you can actually find tangible evidence and proof of Bo Hardegree's effect on Will Levis and that that's what matters. Okay. And ultimately it's like, I, it's like Brian Callahan's effect on the offensive line, Tyke Tolbert's effect on the wide receivers. You can right. see the effect the position coaches have, even if they're carrying out the plan of the head coach okay. or the offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator, depending on how your setup is. That's that's totally fair. Um I I think all right, well let's we'll see. Again, the staff almost fully assembled. We'll see if there's some other uh, guys that have, have have been held over or not. Um and and we'll see. Uh, okay. It's so, looking just not and is uh yeah it looks like it is gonna be held over. They've declined uh other teams to interview him for the same position. And then um you know, Chris Harris may stick around, which I think is a good deal for all parties involved. He didn't get a defensive coordinator for the third cycle in a row. Uh, don't the know Eric, what's going on with that. The Eric B. Enemy of cycle. defensive coaches. <laughs> that's kind of what it feels like. Uh, but um, I think he's he's likely to stay. And I think the other one was Lori Locust, who was mentioned. There may yep. be someone else has mentioned that did didn't really matter in the big scheme of things. If I can't remember who it was. <laughs> yeah. So we, we shall see. So ultimately, uh, sinkers beverages, Kingston group, our great sponsors, make sure you support them. We do appreciate their support. And you guys make sure you support them. If you're in Hendersonville, bluegrass beverages, proud sponsor of football and other F words. Excellent episode this week. You and Herndon discussing a lot of draft stuff and, and, and we'll get to the, uh, to Vrabel and some top 25 stuff here in a minute, but support those two companies, sinkers, beverages, Kingston group. Just remember those names. Of course. Um, Ultimately, the Super Bowl to me, I'm curious. We can get to like sort of the game itself a little bit later, but like I'm just curious if you think that there are lessons to be learned. And I'm, and I think you know you guys started F words talking a lot of Brock about Brock Bowers because Brock Bowers is clickbait this week. And and uh, honestly, I, I think he is absolutely a piece it of was, the Titans. It, it was just like to me, it's just like it was a big whoop that he said it. Yeah, I don't but care. it did spark an interesting conversation that most radio shows ignored, and that is everything else around. What if they did take the tight end? What yeah, if yeah. what? Why is you know he's so important? So we kind of went into a different direction of then. Well, what does this mean for Tennessee Titans? Are they going to fucking draft him? Well, who the fuck knows right now? Like who? Yeah, yeah. Like at I, this point, nobody knows who's drafting who. I no, but I th- so, but I do think, and I'm going to tie this into Brock Bowers and the week that was, and your conversation with with Herndon, which I think was the smarter conversation about Brock Bowers, which is, is he above the line or below the line with a player the Titans should take at seven? I think that's the ultimate question: is who is above that line of you? You stick at seven and you take that player because that player makes you better automatically, is a blue chip prospect, and is th- those are the pieces that they need the most. And I think ultimately the question about Brock Bowers is: there's a line there. And is he above that line or is he below that line in the Titans eyes? I think, you know, I agree with you and Mike that I think he is the last name that I would take at seven, but he's on the list for sure. And I think that ties directly into the lesson from the Super Bowl, which is that the Chiefs, we Tyreek Hill was a weapon for them. No doubt. Patrick Mahomes is special. We get all this stuff. Andy Reid is brilliant, all this stuff. But the piece that makes it all go all these years 
can be a tight end. <laughs> and Brock, and the reason I say that is because one of the lessons from the Chiefs is they they've invested in Travis Kelsey over and over and over again, and they immediately took Forty Niners and George Kittle. George Kittle right like across one, the way. Exactly a a versatile and dynamic tight end. Now Kittle's a much better blocker than than Brock Bowers, right? And and, and, and Travis Kelsey and Kelsey. I think Bowers far more far more like Kelsey. Bowers is kind of in the middle of both those guys, which there could be in as far as skill sets concerned. Which there's a good that's a good place to be in. But think about to your point about Kittle actually, and I hadn't thought about this. Um, I, I I was I was thinking that one of the thing one of the lessons I think Titans fans should take from the Super Bowl and then moving forward, looking ahead to the draft is that you can build an offense around a quarterback tight end relationship because Travis Kelsey and George Kittle are the examples. And honestly, if you look at the Niners, the chiefs is more obvious because it's, Hey, we have to choose. And we let Tyree kill go. Cause we didn't want to spend $120 million on a guy who punches his pregnant girlfriend. We would prefer Travis Kelsey who dates the, the most popular person on the planet. Obviously that's in the script, but like yeah. Kittle was the first piece. Kittle was the first piece. He was there before Brandon. Ayuk. He was there before Christian McCaffrey. He was there before Debo Samuel. Like he was the original sort of versatile weapon that they had. And then they started putting pieces around him. Some of that's just timing, but like he was the original piece that Kyle Shanahan built around, to be honest. And I understand everybody's concern with that is that, well, do you really do first, you know, a first round pick on that guy? But I think people for kind of forget that like back in 2021, people were like, go ahead and draft Brock Bowers now. <laughs> like like I Brock was. Bowers was clearly going to be starting from freshman year on. Brock Bowers was clearly going to be a first round top 10 pick. Uh, yep. No matter where what year he would have gone. I, I still believe that if he would have came out as a freshman, if he would have came out in 2022, if he would have came out in, and he's coming out th- last year, it wouldn't have mattered he would have been a first round pick and that's just how good he was, how good he's been. Um, you know, I'm again, not advocating for it, but at the end of the day, if it goes three quarterbacks, then, you know, Malik neighbors, Marvin Harrison jr. And Joe Walt after that, I don't know. I think I'm taking Brock Bowers over Roma Dunze and you can call me fucking crazy, but I am not really liking Roma Dunze separation, right? That he gets no. in college versus what he'll get in the NFL again. I don't think that's crazy, but I think those are the two names that I have. Like I'm in my mind debating like to me, it's like to your point and not to get back into a draft conversation, but if it's Joe Alt, Marvin Harrison Jr. Or Malik neighbors, you don't, you don't need to debate it. You you need to have the order. You need to have the order and you need to know how you evaluate them. But if one of those three is there, you take one of those three and you don't ask questions. If, if, yeah. uh, if, if Adunze and Bowers are the two names that even for me, I sort of have like on the line, if it's anybody behind them. And again, you have to assume some quarterbacks get drafted in this group. If it's anybody behind them, then I am doing everything in my power to move down a couple of slots to try to draft an, a, a quality receiver or offensive lineman. Cause I don't think the gap between who you would take at seven and who you'd take at 11 is different than the third round pick you pick up like that. That's ultimately where, where I fall on that. So, but again, well, that's and, the lesson and, from the Super Bowl. Yeah. And, and well, the lesson of the Super Bowl that kind of tie, I have like two lessons that still tie into the draft, but it also ties into roster building because Chad Brinker says the lifeblood of your roster comes from drafting, which we all know. And like I said on football and other efforts, uh, vampire Mike Kafka has swooped down in the middle of the night for the past three years to drain the life force of this blood because he's a vampire. I'm sure he brought his uh, horde, his nest so, of vampires. So, so John him. Robinson did made dra- bad draft picks because Mike Kafka drained the blood out of John Robinson. Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, I'm just using a vampire metaphor, you know, <laughs> lifeblood. So, and he's the only vampire I know that's alive oh. walking the oh, okay. earth. Um, Interesting. So, but if you look at the starting 22 of both teams, not including kicker and punter and special mm-hmm. teams, starting 22, 63.6% for Kansas City and 68.2% for San Francisco were drafted by that team. Over half of the players on their team, both over 60%, one of them close to 70% with San Francisco, were drafted. Now that goes down when you go into the 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 fifty three, right? Like if you go to the fifty three, it's still over fifty percent for both teams, but it's fifty point nine and fifty two point eight. So your life—that's over half for both. 
that are still there from when they were drafted. Okay, so they never left the team. They stayed on the team. They found a way to keep them, or they drafted really young. Look at the Kansas City Chiefs and their defensive backs. Really, really young. That matters. And to me, the lesson is that they don't have to be first-rounders. Okay, so 14, right, of 22 for the Kansas City Chiefs were drafted. Three are first-rounders. Uh, and 15 of 22 three or first rounders for the San Francisco 49ers. So there's not that many starting 22 that are first rounders. The bulk of their roster is made up from second to seventh rounders. I mean, first rounders are kind of hit or miss right now in the starting 53. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers only have four first rounders and the Kansas city chiefs only have five first rounders. I mean, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of not who, a lot of first rounders. I'm trying to think of who outside of Mahomes was a first round. Like Rishi Rice wasn't a first round pick. Chris Jones was a no, second was, round uh, pick. It, hey, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. You ready? Oh, I'll tell don't you. do it to me. <laughs> okay, it's, it's Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Oh God, Trent McDuffie. Right. McDuffie. Um, I, what I found interesting about the starting, to your point about being drafted, I think it's ultimately something we all know. But I, and I agree with you. I, it, to me, it's that they the stars on the team outside of McCaffrey, really, like tr Patrick Mahomes draft pick, Travis Kelsey draft pick, Chris Jones draft pick, Trey Smith draft pick. Like to your point, they're not first rounders, all of them, but they are got like the, the guy McCaffrey. You traded draft picks for Christian McCaffrey, so he true. does not count. I'm talking about but, players that they drafted. No, right, and that's what I'm saying. He does outside. I said outside of Christian McCaffrey, the best players. I guess. I guess you have to include Trent Williams in there because he did. They didn't draft him either. But ultimately, thinking about Kansas City, like the best five or six players on the team were draft picks. Only Mahomes is the first rounder. Whereas with K with San Francisco, it's a little bit more scattershot, to be honest. Right, like Ayuk's a first round pick. I mean, Debo was not a first round pick. Trent Williams, they acquired in the draft or uh, in a trade or free agency, and then McCaffrey via trade as well. But Purdy is one of the most important players on the team. And of course, we know where he was drafted. So it, it does. And you look at, uh, I know Fuanga is not playing the safety for San Francisco, but that's a perfect example of drafting a superstar potentially at a position and then developing him. Now, I know he's injured in this on this run for, for the Niners, but he's a great, great weapon and piece on that team. Uh, look at their linebacking core. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. So. You have to build through the draft. I think that's another good one. Um, wh what is the Trent Williams thing I find interesting, though? Because I think that ties, ties into the draft. Are, are we at a place like I agree with your basic point that Bill Callahan can do can do a lot of work with an offensive line. He instantaneously is going to make average players solid, solid players good and good players great, etc. And I think, to be honest, I think there's enough pieces on this roster from an athletic standpoint that one of these guys is probably going to end up being better than we think because get Bill Callahan is going to get his hands on hands on him. But the one thing that makes the Niners different is Trent Williams. Like that offense is loaded with elite weapons. It's loaded with, with pieces. And we know the scheme is great and all the pre-snap, everything, everything, all the buzzwords, pre-snap motion, et cetera, et cetera. But Trent Williams sort of makes it go. And when he's not on the field, it, it changes. Does that change how you view Joe Alt, for example, or is it, is there any well, lesson I mean, to be learned there? Joe Alt for the ten in the Tennessee the Titans. Titans mind or Joe yeah. from the Titans perspective? No. And and here's why. And because that was going to be this was going to be my next thing was talking about the draft capital that was used on both offensive lines. San Francisco was tied for the feet, the fifth least amount of sacks allowed with 18. And the Kansas City Chiefs are tied for seventh with the least amount of sacks allowed with 19. How many first rounders are on both teams starting for on the offensive line? Uh, one, one. Yeah. That's Trent Williams. Yeah. Uh, then it goes second round, UDFA, fourth round, fifth round for the 49ers. and so from left to right for the Chiefs, it's second, third or seventh, depending on if Joe Tooney's playing, and I don't think he is. Third or seventh, second, sixth, second. And so there's a lot. There is a lot of second round picks. Yeah, but none of them have Bill Callahan. That's the point. You have a first-round pick. You have a second-round pick. And then you have whatever free agency is. The second-round pick would be Dylan Raidens, by the way. And, but you, you got to see what free agency holds. Because some of these guys were acquired in free agency, like you said. So, in my mind, I I want all. 
I am telling you guys, the Tennessee Titans do not view it that way. They have flashed it neon lights until they come out and say something totally wildly different than what they have told us on radio for like three or four days when they've been on there or on podcasts or whatever. Until they tell us something different. I am working under the assumption that Joe Alt is not as high on their big board as some of the wide receivers, maybe even Brock Bowers. I'll even allow for the possibility of that, even though I don't think that's true. But I also don't think you need it. I just don't. I or mean, it's... I just, I don't think you have, here's, here's where I'm at. The Titans don't have to fucking do anything. There you go. There's your analysis that you can carry <laughs> with you for the entire, the entirety of the off season. The Titans <laughs> don't have to do whatever the fuck you want them to do. They don't have to draft an LT. They don't have to draft a wide receiver. They don't have to do this. They don't have to do that. They can, they need everything. They need entirely. They, they need so many players that they need everything, and you don't know how the first six picks are going to fall out at this point in yeah. time. So we don't know what's available. It's all fruitless conversation until we get closer to the draft. So I just maintain they don't have to do everything because they need to do everything. <laughs> if that makes, if they have no, to no, do anything because yeah, they need yeah. to do everything. And you need to be prepared for anything. I, I mean, that that's the yeah. nature of the draft. I also think it's must-lie season from now until when you're on the clock. And anything that they may or may not be hinting at or alluding to could be complete smokescreen. Now you just you can't. I, I, don't I, know. I would highly doubt um, that they like planned ahead, you know, and Brian Callahan decided, oh, I'm just going to uh, just by chance repeat what I've already said with the Cincinnati Bengals in prior podcasts and stuff. I, Let, let's just be honest. I, 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 I get your smokescreen. There is no smoke screen with this. No, I mean, yes. There, dude, would you fire? Would you, would you prefer a to have fire right now? Someone would you call the, to, call the fire department. Okay, okay, and put this fire out. Would you Would you prefer to have Jamar Chase on with uh, with thirty six seconds to go? Yeah, of course you would. Um, but you also need to have a quarterback standing upright for all the other fifty two plays of the game as well. So I, I, I listen. I know what you're alluding to, and I think that you're right to sort of read that between the lines if you want to. I also don't think it means I, anything. There is no My, reading between the lines. Like, what, what is what is this conversation? That what we're I'm having? saying is, is that none they, of it they, means they told you with their mouth. <laughs> I mean, none of it there means is no reading anything. between the lines. Read on the lines. None of it means anything about their big board. Is what I'm trying to say. It doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, they could I, still I think, think Joe Alt is by far the best player in the entire draft, and it and they could still be saying the same things. And it doesn't mean they take him though. It doesn't mean they take him. It means that, or if he's not available, to your point, you got to be prepared for anything to happen. Um, I, I did hear like a lot of second rounders in there. I, I do like that. And to be honest, you've got not only Raidens as a second round pick, you got MPF as a third round pick at MPF with a ton of athletic pedigree. Duncan, we know is a great athlete as well, although farther down the draft, but I, I do think that there is something in there for, for Callahan to work with. And I do think you throw them all into the competition and see which, which one becomes the best. And if you get one guy need a competition, like I, I kind of feel like, Bill Callahan's like Aaron Glenn, right? Aaron Glenn said, you put me in a room for five minutes. I'm going to tell you if this guy can do it or not. He's going to sit down with these offensive linemen. He's going to be able to tell you, okay, here's how you need to build the roster. Cause this is what I need. Cause there ain't nothing. There ain't a guy on this, this roster. Well, maybe, maybe that's what he says. I, I just think that a guy of his coaching ability and these three players with great athletic ability, at least one of them will become serviceable. Mm -hmm. Not maybe probably not great, but like serviceable. And and to me, that's a numbers game. And if I'm in that coaching staff room or whatever, and like you don't have you don't have the ability to get your hands on a player and develop them right now and actually do this kind of stuff with pads on and practice, I, I'm I've got to assume that one of them can rise to the top. Now, I, I I do think that to your point, like uh, the Titans don't have to do anything. Nobody and and you're not a good general manager if you are pigeonholing yourself into doing something in the draft before the draft starts. Like I, you, but what you have to be prepared for is anything, and I think that's where Bowers comes in, or a trade back comes in, or if you love a Dunze that comes in. I don't think there is an elite defensive lineman in this class. I don't think there is an elite cornerback in this class, like a guys that we've seen in the past. I think there are some positions where there is a void. And I think that that is why it actually sets up perfectly for the Titans to take best available player and have that best available player also meet a significant need. And I think that is where, as long as that's the approach, it, it, I, the, the odds are that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. But I also, me and me and Stoney kind of agree. It, we may agree differently on which players there is. 
I don't think there's a blue chip. There's a lot of blue chip prospects in this draft compared to last year. And I think that's a real issue when you're picking at seven. So I don't think any, I personally don't think that any of the quarterbacks are blue chip prospects. Now they're going to have to be drafted because you have to draft a quarterback and you have to have a team. But to me, I, I look at it and I go, I'm not, I don't think Roma Dunze is a blue chipper. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. obviously is, but I'm not too sure that Malik Neighbors is. But like, I'm pretty I'm, cl- like I'm, clo- I'm close on him. I'm close like on I'm him. I'm at five. And when you got five blue chippers and you're picking at seven, that's really teetering the line right there. You know well, what I'm good, saying? So, like, yes. And the good news is, is that if those quarterbacks aren't blue chippers, but they go ahead of you, brilliant. Yeah. Great. Great. Hopefully, uh, I, you know, I would the other teams recognize that these quarterbacks to see, don't we do this every year? Everybody's <laughs> like, oh, all these quarterbacks are going to go in the top, you know, picks and all this stuff. And there'll be like six quarterbacks taken in this round. There'll be seven quarterbacks taken it, in this round. And then it ends up being like not that good because they're not that good. And, I think and, that I personally like Jaden Daniels. I'm not sure if Caleb May, Caleb Williams and Drake May technically go one and two, right? Uh, Ed says, what if Daniels is there at seven and they take him floored, shocked, mild surprise? I would, oh, I I'd, would be, I'd fall over I, dead. Floored and shocked, not the same thing. You could shock me through three both. floors, I guess. Yeah, both. Yeah. I would be completely shocked at a 172-pound quarterback. Look, I, I think Jane Daniels' talent is awesome, but he's 40 pounds lighter than Lamar Jackson. So I, I have concerns about that. And he also had elite weapons at every you know, uh, we can get to Jaden Daniels. We got four months to break down Jaden Daniels. It's the week of yeah. the Super Bowl. Um, I, but I do I, think we're not going to break down Bra- Jane Daniels because we don't need a quarterback. So no, I don't. Fuck a page to the quarterbacks the Senior Bowl. We're not going to fuck a page to the quarterbacks and, in depth on this show. And I would agree with you that he is not a blue chipper. And I would agree with you that there are not many of them in this draft. I would. I do think that Caleb Williams and Drake May are blue chippers. I think Joe Alt is. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is. And I think Brock Bowers is. Getting back to our original point. And to your point about like how good he's been from an evaluation standpoint, like Will Anderson was viewed as like the best pass rusher in college football for multiple seasons. It wasn't just like a, mm-hmm. oh, look at this guy. Can't, this is why I was so floored by Jacksonville taking Trayvon Walker. It's like, no, Aiden Hutchinson was the best player in yes. the 10 yes, for three absolutely. years. And you guys fucking overthought it. So Brock well, Bowers. Well, no, the football, the NFL wrote the script and turned it in. And said, "Okay, we're going to put Aiden Hutchinson with the Detroit Lions." That's what happened. That's true. That's I forgot about that. The deep state made sure Aiden Hutchinson played for Detroit. Yep. I forgot about that. It's all the deep state fault. Uh, but but again, like there are guys, very rare of them. There's not many of them. There are guys that are just clearly better than everybody else for the entirety of their college careers. Almost the second they step on the field, and Brock Bowers has been the best athlete on almost every football field he's ever been on. And that includes ones with Will Anderson on it. <laughs> yeah. Like literally on the same field with Will Anderson. And so I think Bowers is absolutely in that group. Uh, I think neighbors probably he's been in that group since a freshman. Bingo. Like, I mean, Bingo. that's, the, yeah. that's the key. That's my point about like the Aiden Hutchinson, Will Anderson thing. You can overthink it. Like guys are just elite players. Like, and over yeah. 50% of his snaps were in the slot. He's not even an inline tight end, which again, no, you just no. need, need need players. You just need he's, players. He's a he's an athlete who makes plays, and it's never been anything else other than that. He's never not been yeah. that guy, and he would be that guy for the Titans. Yes, you could talk about health because he plays a physical position, takes a lot of shots, but that's the game of football. Uh Titan, uh Titan up Tony says, is Olu a blue chipper pretty dominant in pass blocking? I would say he's not. But I don't. That doesn't mean taking him at seven is a bad idea. It, like he still could exactly. be there. It still could be their top tackle available if Alt is not there. And they may hell. They may even have him higher than Alt. I don't agree with that. But that I don't get paid millions of dollars to work for Rand Carthon. So um, I, Adunze and Neighbors are are ah. I'm I'm torn. I like Neighbors much better than Adunze, but I I don't know if those are guys are are blue chips. But like again, you can move back to twelve or thirteen and get Brian Thomas. Like you you can. You can move back 12 or 13 and find a tackle. So uh, anyway, I, now we're off subject. Let, let's get, I, I want to ask you about the 49er way. Cause that's clearly what, what Rand Carthon is trying to build here. And I, I Shanahan has had, I guess, ultimately, I think one of the messages I want to deliver to people is I think if, if Kyle Shanahan and the Niners lose this game, it, it there's going to be this like cheap, lazy social media conversation about like, does this, does this sort of taint the legacy of the Kyle Shanahan system, right? Like the, 
like the way that the the 49er way that, you know, like for lack of a better term, that they've gone about doing this. And I think that is sort of lazy to say because it has clearly been extremely successful that they've gotten to multiple Super Bowls that he, yes, I know when he was the coordinator for the Falcons that it didn't work in that game. And it might've been his fault that they lost to the Patriots and might've been the defense's fault as well. Um, and Tom Brady has something to do with it. Just like Patrick Mahomes has something to do with the Chiefs win this weekend. If they were to win the Super Bowl, you have to sometimes just say the other guy is great. But I think there's going to be a cheap narrative if the Niners lose again that that, that people are going to try to take shots at the way Kyle Shanahan has built the organization, run the organization, and that it somehow is not good enough. But I don't, I don't think that's right. I think that's the wrong way to look at it. Well, I think Tighten Up Tony hit the nail on the head because this is exactly what I was going to say when you when you sent this to me in a text. This is exactly how I feel, and that is Shanahan, the new Andy Reid, can't win the big one. So I'd give everybody in San Francisco and Santa Clara the cautionary tale that if you guys move on from Kyle Shanahan because he's <laughs> he's not winning you the Super Bowl every year and only one team can win it, he will go somewhere else and win the Super Bowl. <laughs> that, that he is if he he is the next Andy Reid because that and maybe he stays with San Francisco the whole time and we see it play out like if Andy Reid has stayed with Philadelphia he never wins the big one but I think that the narrative is likely to be if they lose is going to be a little bit about Kyle Shanahan a lot about Patrick Mahomes and a lot about the other guy Brock Purdy that yep. they're still just a quarterback away yep I mean, no, I I think it's fair to say that about Garoppolo. I I if if Purdy like played, Purdy, by the way, but that, I do that would I do be too. Conversation. I know I agree, and I think the conversation could be like. Here's the thing: ultimately, Patrick Mahomes might. This is where two things can be true at the same time that feel contradictory. Kansas City is going to win the Super Bowl because of its elite quarterback, not because. I mean, honestly, the defense is the best Mahomes has ever had. But they, if they win the Super Bowl, it's because of Mahomes, which is certainly not what we expect Will Levis to be nor is it fair to expect Will Levis to be that. So you can have that conversation be like, no, to win the Super Bowl, you have to have one of these guys that is rarefied air special, et cetera. And by and large, most Super Bowl champions do have that guy playing quarterback most of the time. Once every 12 years, there's a, 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 a Trent Dilfer or a Brad Johnson or a Nick Foles. doesn't happen very often though. And so that is something you can learn from this if Brock Purdy doesn't get it done. But but it also is not necessarily you don't destroy the Shanahan 49er way because Brock Purdy wasn't as good as Patrick Mahomes. Like it's like no one's as good as Patrick Mahomes. So I right. I, and, I don't know. I think it, two and, things and can listen, be true. The defense for Kansas City is so good that I, I do think that Kansas City is gonna win this game. Uh I, I think San Francisco is the better team, but I think that the edge that Patrick Mahomes gives you combined with that defense trumps what the entire makeup of the San Francisco 49ers is, because that's how good Patrick Mahomes is. And he, if, if they were to win and Andy Reid does not retire, then to me, I feel like they're, they should be favorites again. And I don't want to hear people start worrying in week eight or week nine that Oh, the Kansas City Chiefs look like they've really taken a step back. Because guess what? You've done it now three years in a row. Did nobody learn from Tom Brady? We all did it every year for the longest time. Well, this will be the year that Tom Brady doesn't isn't any good, and you know, blah blah blah. Then he turns around, he has like forty five hundred yards and fifty touchdowns and a Super Bowl ring. Like at some point, you just have to recognize that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are just playing on another yep. level than almost any quarterback head coach combination in the league. Uh, Brian Moore, by the way, really good question. I want to get to your question in just a second, but I, I agree. Um, and I think we said it on this show, like around week 12, around week 14, like maybe week 16. It's like, guys, like, and and I think uh, Tighten Up Tony says this, it's the best roster versus the best quarterback. That's been the same story every game of the playoffs for Mahomes. Like mm-hmm. it, and and I'm maybe even not the Dolphins game, but like Bills were the better team. Mahomes is the better quarterback. Uh, Ravens were the better team. Mahomes is the better quarterback. Like it, this is the way it, the Niners are the better team. Also the well, better head coach. Don't don't discount Andy sure, Reid. Sure. The, it's the combo. It's the combo no. that they have. And also Eric Bieniemy is back in the building doing install. And I told people that they they would be stupid not to bring Eric Bieniemy for this playoff run. Well, why would you do that? Blah blah blah. Because he's really good at at 
telling the players on the Kansas City what to do, what to yeah. recognize, and how to do it. And sure enough, he did it right before the Ravens game, and I'm sure he's doing it all week this week. Hidden gem, Eric Bieniemy. I don't know why anybody doesn't give this guy a chance. Well, and at all. And the, well, in the way, honestly, they didn't beat Baltimore because of Bieniemy and the offense. They beat Baltimore because Steve Pagnola and the defense. The defense was elite in that game, and. And Baltimore and Lamar Jackson played one of its worst games on offense. But again, I, I tried to tell everybody, do not pit. I will not pick against Patrick Mahomes until he is officially dead. You can't, you can't pick yeah. against him. You can't pick against him. And so like I'm also, I'm, <laughs> I am also picking the chiefs because you can't pick against Mahomes until he's dead. You can't do it. I, I will not pick against him yeah. until his team is eliminated from the postseason. Um, quickly here. Let's go back to a question that Brian's asking here about, uh, do you have more confidence that the Titans will draft a top tackle and he'll reach his potential or a top receiver and he'll reach his potential? There's one, if you want to go history, which doesn't apply to Bill Callahan, Brian Callahan, Rand Carthon, or anybody else running things right now. History tells you that this organization is elite at developing offensive linemen and atrocious at developing receivers. Again, that has nothing to do with people making decisions today. No, but to, to his point, um, you, I think that okay, the top tackle. I think we both agree is Joe Walt. So for for purposes of this conversation, let's compare Joe Walt to Marvin Harrison Jr. Or do should we do Joe Walt versus Malik Neighbors? Then let's do that. Yeah, that's more more likely. Seven. Yeah, I am more confident that Tyke Tolbert can get up more out of Malik Neighbors than almost a lot of other wide receiver coaches the Tennessee Titans could have hired. I think Joe Walt, I don't think that Bill Callahan necessarily raises the ceiling of Joe Alt because Joe Alt's ceiling right now is all pro. Bill Callahan doesn't change that for me. I, I mean, I think that even Jason Hotelling couldn't fuck up Joe Alt at this point. So for me, uh, it's not crazy. I, I don't think he could, but for me, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, okay, Tyke Tolbert has a proven track record that he develops rookie wide receivers very quickly. So I think that in this scenario, in this coaching staff, I think Malik Neighbors reaches a better potential, better career potential quicker here than maybe a first-year offensive lineman that already has that. Like, I kind of feel like, if does that make sense? I don't yeah. know if I'm really explaining it properly, but I think that the higher ceiling is easier to achieve because of coaching and development with with Malik Neighbors, whereas I, Joe Alt already is kind of built in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I got gotcha. you. I also think you can add another layer to this, which is that I think it is easier to see, find, evaluate, and select an elite receiver than it is a franchise left tackle. I, I think it's actually easier now to find because I think the evaluation of the player is a little bit more accurate on a receiver than it is a tackle. There, there's so many more variables with the offensive line that make it harder to predict that that ceiling. Um, but I agree with your basic analysis of of the situation. And frankly, I think the coaching is I think the coaching is even, but yeah, I mean maybe Alt's already maximized a bit, which is also a big part of the evaluation process. It goes to recruiting and it goes to the draft. Is well, it's not necessarily how much more... that I think he's maximized. It's just that I already see I, I see all pro in Joe Alt. I see if you get the development right, Pro Bowl with I don't I don't think that's why I don't I think that's the difference okay. between blue chip prospects, is that okay. like okay. I think that if if you put him out there, he's a day one starter, impact player. Joe Alt, you're good to go. Like, he's a day one ready-made football player. With Malik Neighbors, you're going to have to have a lot of development to okay. his game that's fair. to make him a little bit more effective. So that that's kind of yeah. where my differentiation lies. Okay. I, I like that. Um, are we – so we're, we're, both, we're both on the Chiefs. Looks like Stoney is on the Niners. Uh, we shall see here. Uh, quickly uh, – one of the questions I keep getting asked by everybody, and these are like diehard Titans fans who are good, smart football people. And, and I keep getting the same question from everybody in my like universe, which is like, is it, is it a, is it a big deal? Does it mean something more to you that Mike Vrabel didn't get a job this cycle as a head coach in the NFL? And I, I don't think it does. I, I don't think it changes the evaluation of the situation of what Amy Adams strunk and Rank Carthon decided to do. Uh, had he gotten the job somewhere, I don't think it changes the evaluation of what they decided to do. If he doesn't get a job, I don't think it changes the evaluation. I, I think there's a there's a timing element to this. There's a fit element to this. 
there's all kinds of things. There's a cooling down period that people need. And like people, like, I, I still think he's pretty well regarded in national circles by experts that, that know football. I still think he's a pretty good football coach. I, I don't know. Like, I don't think it, I don't think it tells me a whole lot about, I think the move to young offensive mind is like a full is a full part of the NFL right now. And well, and, except for the five defensive head coaches got hired. Well, I just mean, well, okay. One of not them, me. are you counting? You're not counting Harbaugh, right? Uh, no, it's uh, there's five of them got hired. Raheem Morris, Mike Vrabel, because uh, I kind of John Harbaugh. He's one of the three. Antonio, Antonio Pierce. Dan Quinn, Raheem Morris, Mike McDonald. All right. Well, you know what? Dave Canellis, someone... Brian Callahan, Jim Harbaugh are three offensive guys. And then I was yeah. I was con- I was talking about the last few years, but yes, I agree with your point. Right. They, Mike but McDonald, I mean, Mike McDonald know, kind oh, of. Oh, Gerard that Mayo. That's the one I was thinking of. Gerard Mayo. I knew yeah, there was okay, five. Yeah. yeah. So uh, ultimately, I mean, I'll be, to be honest with you, you can't like the Patriots are sort of a separate entity because they had already had it in his contract. So like that one again, this is what I'm saying. It's it's situational, I mean, they right? The contract. Sure, but it's situational. That's who they wanted. They they pushed Belichick out. They made the divorce happen, and it was Mayo's job. So like that's why they, they chose Mayo over Mike Vrabel. They didn't even give Mike Vrabel a shot. They didn't give anybody a shot. So uh, again, that's well, my point. Yeah, is, but I mean specifically, I mean you have to point out the fact that. All anybody did for like the last eight weeks of the season. I mean, we could be honest about Mike Vrabel. I don't understand why this is so hard for some people to be honest about Mike Vrabel in this situation. And that he, the last eight weeks of the season, all anybody said was like, oh, if the Titans fired him or if he's going to get traded, he's immediately going to go to the Patriots and Kraft's going to get rid of Gerard Mayo and blah, 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 blah. And they put out the stuff about Gerard Mayo not jiving with the players. And guess what? They chose Gerard Mayo. Well, they the could have got out of the contract if they wanted to make Mike Vrabel. They could have done anything. It's not just Bedard. It was other people. No, no. What I'm, what I'm saying is I'm, that Mayo, I'm agreeing with you and then saying that two th- like Gerard Mayo was the guy, like the, the Greg Bedard piece, the entire point of the piece, which had that little snippet about Rand Carthon in there, and that got a Titans fans all worked up. The entire point of the piece was that f- five separate front office sources said that Gerard Mayo was going to be the next head coach of the New England Patriots. That was the headline of the story and the main body of the piece. And right. you're not wrong. You're and not again, wrong. Was... I'm not using just Bedard. Everybody was talking right. about there's, it. There's there's tons it of not because of Bedard's piece. So we we just got to be honest with the situation. They chose Gerard Mayo over over Mike Vrabel. They I agree, but they chose Gerard Mayo over everyone and didn't even consider anyone else. So again, I think that's not a Mike Vrabel right. thing. That's I think a... that's a Gerard Mayo thing. So you could be well, wrong I about this, dude. You can be both. wrong. You can be wrong. It's okay. Yeah. They chose okay. Gerard it's Mayo both, for a whatever. long time. They could be. They they, they chose Drummond. Mike Rabel, who doesn't have a fucking job, and we all said that he would, and he doesn't. Right. Right. Yes. I'm not. I can't argue okay, the facts you. here. Jim Jim yeah, Harbaugh well, was always no. Jim Harbaugh was all. This is why it's it's complicated. Jim Harbaugh was clearly and always mm-hmm. the guy for the Chargers. It was never going to be Rabel. It was never going to be Rabel. If you want to look at a few jobs and say, oh, that's one where I think it was maybe. You know, maybe he should have been more in line for that job, or they should have had more interest in him. I think, I think it is wrong to hire Dan Quinn over Mike Vrabel. I think that's stupid. I think that's a bad decision. I don't think you're going to hire Arthur Smith's bo- former boss, so I don't think that works. So, like again, there's some situational stuff. It's bad timing. I think Mike Vrabel will be back in the NFL coaching. I, I, it is. I, what it is. I think it may so. be 2025 before he's back in the NFL head coaching, and because I don't think we yeah. went through the list. And there's not a lot of teams that are going to pivot from their current coach to a Mike Vrabel type coach in one way or the other. And it may take another cycle for him to go through because obviously, obviously the NFL does not like really the, that old Patriot way and the hard nosed uh, defensive head coaches. Some of them are offensive head coaches, hard nosed control, everything kind of guys and that's what he is. Size aside, the p- important part of the Rossini piece is about him not fitting from the, uh, with the people across the way. And but with the general manager, they don't fit with what the general – he does not fit what the general managers right now currently want. He does not fit what ownerships currently want. He And I think – and I, I, I th- find it ironic, and but it's hilarious – but we have seen, we we know why he does not have a job. It's not just timing. 
Timing can be some of it for that could be explained for some of the other excuses for some of these teams. It's because of who he is. It's because of his coaching. It's because of how the last two years went. It's because of what the end result was in the infighting and backstabbing and ego and wanting this and wanting that. It's going to be part of it. It's going to be because of his piss poor staff that he can't that he probably brought to the table in the one or two interviews. Mike Vrabel was not as good as we all thought among the NFL league circles that the we fed into and we ate and drank from the fountain of the national media who did not know as much as what is going on behind league doors, closed doors in league circles. It, it, and that's, a, I think that's an honest assessment to make. I, 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 I think we'll know in time if he gets another job and does a good job, then you'll, that's just wrong. If he doesn't get another job and the NFL has evolved beyond him, then we'll find out and we'll just see that that, that was he never evolved and he should have changed. And it I, wasn't, I'm not wrong know? in the sense of what I just said, because we all said and the media told us we would all be stupid for firing Mike Vrabel because he would get a job. And they all knew by saying this, when we all said this, we all knew the majority of the openings that were going to be open. We all knew it. So this includes me. And saying that, because I said that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People on X and all that. Me too, yeah. yeah. We were all wrong. We were all wrong. And the league told us we were wrong. Yes, well, but uh, uh, yes, factually, that is completely true. I I also don't think it means that those were all the right decisions by those front offices. And only time will tell us if that is the right decision or not. It's not about the results on there. But it's about how the league feel, felt about Mike Vrabel in 2024. They did not feel as strongly as we did, as the local media, the rest of the local media did, and as the national media thought. They did not feel as strongly. These guys that we knew were going to be open, they did not feel as strongly about Mike Vrabel as we all thought. It, it, uh, yes, I mean, f- factually, that's true. I, I think there are other, I think it's not as simple as that. But I think, you know, coaches get fired, and then they they do the rehab, and then they, they sort of the the... the you know, temperatures get ratcheted down and then all of a sudden they're back coaching again. Like it's, it's not a new story in the and NFL that a, guy needs, that a guy, well, some of them don't. I mean, Andy Reid got fired and was, was very good. So I, I'm yeah, just, but he got immediately hired. So, he didn't take a year off. I, I don't, I, I don't even remember the timeline to be honest with you. So I'll take your word for it, it was, but he got fired, then got hired. My, my back ultimate point is, is that I don't think you can just say any, and I don't think this is about Vrabel. I think it's about anybody like, this is what I had to tell Nebraska people when they hired Matt Rule after a, a failure at, a, as a head coach in the NFL. It's like, well, if he had gone to the another NFL team, nobody would have touched him. Nobody would have wanted him. But it doesn't mean he's not a good potential coach. And and Nebraska needs what he's bringing to their to their organization. College is a very different game, different skill set. I get all of that. But it, sometimes you just need to kind of be away from things and let temperatures come down before you come back. And hopefully you evolve as an individual. Um, but I don't think it, it takes away, um, I think to your point, yes. If I had said on this show, which I did many times, by the way, I'm not denying that. Hey, I think Mike Vrabel is going to be a coach. I'm going to be, a, I think Mike Vrabel is going to be a coach immediately. Factually, that's incorrect. That doesn't mean that he's not a good coach though. Like is what I'm saying. If nobody ever hires him You'll again, have to find the right situation. I mean, right. and if, that, and, and, if no, and if no one ever hires him again, ever, then that means that Mike Vrabel was unable to unable unable to evolve to adapt to learn to grow to mature whatever it is you want to say that the league evolved beyond him and his game and then that's that's a fact at that point but we won't know that until for another couple of years so that, well, that's I all mean, I'm saying. And, that, and that's that's true we won't know that for a couple of years but we also know that he is going to have to find the right situation he's going to have to find someone that's a malarkey situation right someone that's gotten the team to a certain point and now Dallas they can't get over, they don't feel like they can get over the hump. Uh, I he would go backwards with the Cowboys. Uh Mike Mike McCarthy, he doesn't have an offense that he can run that's going to keep up with what Mike McCarthy wants to do. Well, it'll be interesting to see what the, the defense looks like without Dan Quinn and uh was it Joe Hewitt, I believe is his last name that was and I think I'm maybe oh Joe um I don't know shit or something. I think it may actually be Joe Schmidt or something like that. But anyway, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see. Listen, Dallas Cowboys didn't even want to interview Mike Vrabel for the defensive coordinator position, so I don't. That should tell you that he's probably not on the radar for head coach. If he, I mean, if he wanted the job, I don't, I don't have any idea. Allegedly, but, 
Allegedly, um, that's that is what's being reported in Dallas is that he wanted the job, oh, and they decided. I think it actually is like Schmidt or Schwit or something like that, but they didn't even want to interview balls, sweaty balls. Well, What's again, going I, on in Dallas. I, my favorite team was coached by Mike McCarthy for a long, long time. I would take Mike Vrabel over Mike McCarthy in two seconds. That's just my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but that's what I would do. Um, that's, but that's also, ironically, that's also because Mike McCarthy refused to evolve <laughs> and, and adapt. And we moved on as an organization. So, okay, no more time here uh, for uh, the college football rankings. But we got all season for that because college football doesn't start till August. So we got plenty of time for that. Um College football preseason top 25 videos, though, are on the website. So 440 Sports, if you want to see all the SEC teams and where they're ranked, please go check them out, of course, over there uh, on 440 Sports. Give us a like, a share, a subscribe, share the product. You can follow us on Twitter, of course. Make sure you support Sinker's Beverages and the Kingston Group, two great companies as well. If you need booze for your Super Bowl party, make sure you go to Sinker's. Am I even allowed to say that? I'm not allowed to say that, am I? Did I just violate some kind of law? <laughs> I'm not allowed to say your big game party. Uh, I have no clue. Go to Sinkers to stock up on your big game party to make sure your big game has got lots of booze. Make sure you go to Sinkers Beverages. I am, I am lost on on what would be against the law in that phrase. You, you can't in, in a paid advertisement. You cannot put that phrase in there. So I'm just I'm I'm making sure the, uh, the Super Bowl. You can't say Super Bowl. I don't think you can. I don't think you can. It's really stupid. Like have you ever noticed that on TV? Any anywhere nope. on TV or radio, it's always big the big game or or internet graphic design. If it is selling that event. And a product that's selling something for that event, it's always it always says the big game. It'll never it's not allowed to say you're not allowed to say Super Bowl, which is ridiculous. So huh, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Go to Sinkers, everybody. Uh Kingston Group build KG as well. Stacking the inbox, football and other F words. Um, otherwise, that's it. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game, the big one. Uh, for Zach, I am Braden. We'll talk to you guys on Monday.